This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Theora. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters. And we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers. We are back with another super fun interview. Today we have two special guests, Maggie Phillips and Kristen Higuera. They worked as music supervisors on Red, White, and Royal Blue. Welcome to the podcast, Maggie and Kristen. Thanks, Caitlin. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I'm sure that every fan of the movie is also very excited that you're here today. So Thanks my, for having us. Of course. My first question is, what does a su- music supervisor do? Uh, the simplest way of explaining it is we are in charge of the soundtrack. So all the songs you hear in a movie, we oversee. So that means selection, uh, supplying selections, um, and so all the creative choices of all the songs. And then all the clearances it takes to get them in. So all the licensing rights, all the music rights, negotiating those terms, uh, all the paperwork that comes in. Yeah. What did you say, Kristen? Oh, finding the, the rights holders also. Finding the rights, yeah. <laughs> finding the rights holders, clearing them, all doing it within a budget, uh, you know, uh, all the, and all the paperwork that it entails. So, I'm assuming there's a lot of paperwork. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot more than people think. <laughs> yeah. A lot more involved. The paperwork and the clearances and all the music rights is it's way more involved than anyone could even begin to imagine. And then on a movie like this, which I think we had like, 40 some 40 something songs in yeah yeah, it was 39 just 39 40 yeah it was intense yeah wow so did you work with drum and lace sophia to create the original composition for the film no we don't really i mean that's an they're two independent paths like we are the we source the existing songs that you find in there or in some cases we helped create songs like we helped with uh uh some of the covers that are in here we helped make that we made those happen um the only way we really participate with score is uh we we got sophia drums lace like we pitched her for this project because we had worked with her previously um and 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 love we love her so we we're sorry 
um, we, we, we recommended her for this and then we help with spots and notes sometimes, you know, it depends on the project. Awesome. Um, okay. So my millennial co-host who wrote this question, uh, couldn't be here today. And she felt obligated to thank you for choosing the millennial national anthem, get low for the new year's (laughs) Eve dance song. It was the perfect song to facilitate Henry and Alex staring at each other across the dance floor while everyone else is getting low. Did you envision Get Low as a song for that moment, or were there any others you were considering? I'll let Chris answer this, but wait, but I just, what did she call the Millennial National Anthem? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's um, awesome. That song was actually one of the first songs we went out to clear was scripted. Um, so it was in there from the beginning, knew we had to have it. Um, it did we didn't look at any other tracks for that spot we worked around that song with like picking I think I think we have like seven songs in that New York New Year's Eve spot in under like five minutes so that was kind of like our north star in like okay how do we make this party flow seamlessly um but it's a, it's and an I think that, <laughs> that was Matthew yeah it's a great song that was Matthew's idea the director Matthew Lopez but he also do you remember Kristen he just he said that uh the choreographer Kyle how do you pronounce Kyle Hannah do you know how to pronounce his last name h-a-n-a-g-a-m-i he just he choreographed uh Mean Girls the movie that's oh no that's amazing really yeah he he did all the choreography for Mean Girls um he's like got a million followers on TikTok and Instagram and I'm gonna and I forget how to pronounce the book's name I'm so embarrassed but anyway he's awesome he pitched that song to Matthew as an idea for the choreography because like the whole idea was how do we get them to be looking at each other in a big party scene and so Kyle this is Matthew's story Kyle said that like something like get low they can all get low and they could be looking at each other not knowing that Matthew had scripted that song in so it was like very kismet that that song is in it and uh and, and it's such uh, a yeah, that was moment, <laughs> like, a, yeah, uh, so... like a subtle romantic moment. Yeah, to, yeah. To little John and you Yang twins, like. <laughs> yeah, and but now you I, that song played. I didn't realize how much you hear that song out there in the world. Workout classes always. Yes, <laughs> always, always in spin class, and I can't now. I can't listen to it without Same. like the <laughs> no separating. Yeah. <laughs> so. I know when we're watching it, uh, she was like, yeah, that's everyone's reaction when you first hear, actually listen to the lyrics for uh, Henry's reaction to it. <laughs> we That was not scripted, that moment. I was in London for that shoot, and I called Kristen, and I was like, we have to quickly clear. They, like, added it on set. I was like, yeah. Kristen, can you quickly clear uh, this line about, like, calling out the lyrics about the sweat dripping down the balls? <laughs> um, and we, they have to shoot it both ways. Like, shoot it with him saying that and not saying it. So, But they we got approval. So is it, like, you're only allowed to use it in a certain way, and if you use it anywhere yes. else? Back yeah. to our point where, like, clearances are extremely involved and no one realizes how involved. But, like, when you clear a song, especially a song that's on camera like that you're clearing it for a very specific use for exactly how it's scripted for the exact timing and so any deviation from the scene description or from the dialogue has to be approved and then so like if if we clear this happens all the time more than you would expect we clear something the way it's scripted and then someone will improv on day of shoot 
if that stays in the cut, the improv, then we have, you know, we have to re-clear it. And there are instances where the improv will be, like we have a movie that is coming up and the, the improv is, is a little derogatory towards a song and it might, you know, they might get, a, 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 it might not be approved. It, the use could be denied. Um, in fact, Kristen, you and I need to talk. Yeah. About that today. <laughs> Uh, well glad to uh bring that up so you can talk about that later (laughs) yeah yeah uh were there any scenes or moments where the music that you chose played a pivotal role in conveying the emotion emotions or nuances of the characters relationships yeah I mean I think first thing that comes to mind and it was actually I think we can share this a placeholder um is Perfume Genius's cover of Can't Help Falling in Love. Um, that really, like, I feel like that's such a romantic moment of bringing them together. And and um, I feel like it, it was a little, you know, plays on both both of their heartstrings and running through the museum, the V&A. Um, but that was originally supposed to be another song by Perfume Genius and that ended up sticking in the cut. We sent that over for um, to have on set when they were shooting, and it ended up working perfectly with the emotion of the museum, with you know the emotion of the scene um, between Prince Henry and Alex. Yeah, so it stayed. The other one that comes to mind for me is a Vagabond cover of the Romer, R- Roger Hammerstein Hammerstein, because um, that's like really getting into um, Henry's mind frame as he's leaving and i think is saying what he's not saying out loud um yeah i think those are the big for me the two biggest emotional moments they were both uh pointed out by our patreon members we i have a few questions from them later but yes so they were definitely loved by the audience oh good (laughs) How did you ensure that the music reflects the diverse identities and backgrounds of the characters in Red, White, and Royal Blue? Well, we had a good partner in crime, and that was very critical to Matthew and the producers, uh, Berlanti, Sarah, and uh, Mike, who are our main producers on this. Um, And Henry was old school, classic, you know, like he's got the dog named David for Bowie. And so we, his was pretty obvious, like his choices were fun and clear from the book. And then uh, Matthew wanted uh, to have a lot of Latinx voices for, for Alex and Kristen can speak to that a little bit. Cause she really led the charge for those yeah. artists. Cause she, like, who did we put in the Marias? Who were some of your favorite artists that we put in? Um, that Marias, the Rigo Berta. I always butcher her name. It's embarrassing. Rigo Berta. Um, she did the Canciones de Amor in, like, the, the montage spot in Texas when they're playing volleyball and, like, you know, having fun with... Oops, sorry. Mm-hmm. My dog. <laughs> um, Omar Apollo, of course. That was a fun, that was a, an amazing get. I mean, we have Jay Balvin, Bad Bunny, it, um, Sophia Reyes. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, Alex was fun to listen for because in, you know, in the book, in the script, he's described as like the coolest, you know, the coolest person in the world. His people are sending him music before it's released. Um, 
So we got to be really eclectic with his taste and, you know, I try to sprinkle in as many Latinx voices as possible, um, which there's so, so much great music, you know, it's a little bit more mainstream now. Um, so, so I feel like it's a lot more accessible and easy to pitch, um, you know, easy to get people on board with that. And oops, oh, sorry. He heard the doorbell, <laughs> the ring camera. Um, but yeah. We had a, I mean, 39 songs in there and it's a lot. Yeah. We have a lot of good, good. We have some old school, um, Mexican music, Luis Perez for Alex's dad. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Where do you even start like trying to pick music? Oh, we just brainstorm. I mean, that's what we have to do with every project. That's the fun part of our job is like just starting to listen, um, it's typically it's character driven and story driven and we started i mean we used um like matthew had the director already had a playlist because he had been working on it for a few months before that's my my friend's puppy you want to say hi murphy oh my god look at this little nugget of joy hi murphy (laughs) this is gonna be a dog episode because we're freaking out here hi i'm talking about important stuff (laughs) Um, we had there were fan playlists there was the official playlist from the book there was the reference playlist yeah Casey had a playlist um yeah yeah I mean we made a playlist for Alex and Henry and when did we make a playlist for other the for yeah we even made playlists you know for Alex's dad like it, it really just depends on the project and you know the time like sometimes we work on period pieces and we're, we're limited to years. So that, that gets hyper specific. Um, but for, for this one, it's really, it's usually character driven in the sense of like any descriptors or anything that's already scripted. We kind of jump off that in whatever conversations we have with the director or showrunner, but that it, I mean, that's my favorite part is kind of like the master brainstorm. And then as we get into the cut, we, you know, we see what works, what doesn't. Um, but it's, a lot of music usually which is the the best part <laughs> that's the best part that's the fun part but the, that's when it's limitless you know because then we're just having fun and we're just sharing music and and the director matthew was so into music so we were just sharing songs back and forth and sharing ideas for the covers and um and then it becomes more targeted because then you that was pre that was before they started shooting like that was just explorative and then, and then you have to be specific about any scenes that are sh- being shot to something specific, which were the party scenes, the 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 museum scene, um, and then you get into the cut, and then you're you you don't know until you start trying to stuff to picture what's going to work and how how it'll work and how it'll affect the the visuals and you know how they'll feed off off of each other. But so then it becomes trial. So then it's less like, you know, first it's just like there's limitless and then it becomes you're limited. And then, and then it's like, then it's just creatively limited because you have visuals and then it becomes a budget conversation. And that's when it really doesn't get fun. Yeah. Then it's just, you're limited by money. <laughs> so, but that's the reality of, you know. Was there any that you would really have liked to, but the budget was just like, no. No, I think we got everything in there that Matthew wanted, that we wanted. Um, 
we got i think pretty lucky with this with this film no no big constraints yeah i mean that's not typical at all um we had a healthy budget because amazon knew it was going to be critical to the story and to the movie and you know uh we had a really great clearance person who I worked with on normal people. So she was really good at what she did. Um, typically we do clearances. Luckily on this one, we had it. There were so many clearances. We had extra help with that. Um, but yeah, we didn't have any that came back. I don't think we had any that came back. I think also, you know, I will say, artists wanted to be a part of this, you know, like, and it was mostly for the most part, younger artists who were excited to be like, sometimes you have artists that are so iconic, so big that they're, they don't need, they don't, it's not that they don't care, but it's just like, you know, this is our price no matter what, you know, but like we had artists that were willing to work within our budget too. So that was helpful because people are really excited to be part of the project. Yeah. We were fortunate in this one. That's that's so rare. Yeah. I mean, it's almost never. I would say like this might be the first time in an interview I've been doing this for almost twenty years. It might be the first time where I'm like, no, we weren't limited by budget, but we we really weren't. So. That's awesome. Speaking of big artists, the film doesn't feature any Taylor Swift songs, but if you could add one, which song would you choose and why? Oh uh, well, I was not ready for this. I song. mean, one was <laughs> yeah, one one was discussed. London, it's called London Boy, right? Yeah, London Boy. I, I'm not a Swifty. That was discussed. I don't know why it was shot down. I don't know either. We we talked about that extensively, and then yeah. I think we just never found a a spot for I think it. It's, I think it's that there wasn't a spot for it, and I think then we considered a, it for maybe second end credits, meaning it would come on like two minutes into the credits. I think there was discussion like that would be the only spot for it. And that seemed like not a fair spot for a Swift, you know, Taylor Swift song, you yeah. know, like that there, there's, if we're not going to be able to find a great placement for it, there's no reason to, to do it. So yeah, I would, that was, but that was the only Taylor Swift song that was considered. So. <laughs> um, what was your just favorite pieces, like songs from the film? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't. Know. It's been a while. I know. <laughs> I I mean, it's gonna take a moment to answer. And also, all ours are like loaded with the conversations behind it. Like, I mean, I love the David Bowie song that you can barely hear, and I'm I'm more a Henry. Uh, I'm also it's because I'm older. I'm more classic rock, so I loved the up the hill backwards. I loved Oliver Oliver Sim his um, yeah rendition, his reimagining of fruit just because that's. That was an artist we really wanted in from the beginning and um, to have, you know, a special, just a reimagining of his track. It, it's it's magic at the end. Um, that's a favorite. And then the whole New Year's Eve sequence, like we're really proud of that. Just there's, it's wall to wall music. And, you know, our music editor, Jim, killed it with the transition. It feels like a DJ is actually there. And it's seamless and you feel like it's a party you want to be at. Um, so that's one I that whole sequence. Love all the music in there. Like who doesn't love Bad Bunny? <laughs> yeah. I also, you know, I love the 
we're talking about putting Taylor Swift at the end. I liked the Chicano Batman that we oh, got yeah. in at the end. I I love that song. That was kind of a win for us because that was like an artist we love and. Uh, it was a last minute edition. It was the last minute edition. Yeah, I think we were on the stage when that. Yeah, happened. A, a nice surprise. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Did you ever have yeah. to work on a project where you just like did not like the music, but it's like either what someone else wanted? Yeah. <laughs> no just like yes. Yeah, we can't tell you what project. I yeah, mean, yeah. 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 I mean, you have to because mu I mean, music is personal. I mean, that's also a common misconception about music supervisors is that we're just there putting in our favorite tracks for every show that we work on. That's that's not at all the case. You know, like we're working with someone else's um creative vision. It's someone else's view viewpoint. Um you know, like we're facilitators of someone else's creative vision. It's not our project. We're not the directors, we're not the creators. So we're there to help someone else realize their 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 vision. And um I mean it's very fortunate when we work with someone who has similar taste than we do but that's not always the case i mean i think yeah. taste is very personal so and it's i mean uh, the best projects are and I, I feel like majority of our projects are um it's the best when it's collaborative i mean you you just you're sourcing so much music and discovering new music from showrunners and directors so it's when we're there to serve a purpose and when we're discovering and collaborating it's it makes projects amazing yeah yeah i mean i love i mean that's one part of the job i really treasure is like is learning and growing with each project um especially when it's something new like a genre that we're not really Me well too. versed in, we get to you know nerd out and do yeah nerd. I, I mean the rabbit hole is the best i love falling down yeah. the like music listening rabbit hole or research rabbit hole um kind of circling back to the to like clearances and finding you know all the rights holders sometimes you go on it's a treasure hunt where you're like looking up someone's cousin and dming them trying to figure out like who has this last 10 percent um which can be you know a great part of the job when it all works out but when you're on a timeline and you know you, people needed it yesterday it it's a little stressful but i mean what job isn't stressful <laughs> Sounds yeah. like me trying to find contact info for interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's a lot of finding contact info. I also think this job, back to taste, this show, I started, when I first started as a music supervisor, which was in my late 20s, early 30s, I was so snobby about my taste, you know, like so elitist and, and a, and a, God, I was such a snob. This this job has taught me to like really love everything and love everyone's taste and like really embrace um the beauty and in 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 differences, you know, in how we listen and and what we listen to and what we choose to listen to and I think it's it's a yeah, I, I love that about that. I love that that's what it's done to me as opposed to the opposite, which I think some people expect us to be gatekeeping super gatekeeper snobs but it's like no we love it all and like we love that that the everyone's super passionate about what they love I, and yeah we're equal opportunity listeners yeah. <laughs> we listen to it all i think that's a great descriptor for the film as well like uh celebrating all the differences and different cultures 
beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And finding a through line for every, like everyone, the commonality in that, in the movie, because everyone's coming from very different walks of life, especially Henry and Alex. I mean, they do have like their elite political families as a through line, but like they're very different dudes, but like they're, they're just uh, finding someone who you connect with and who, who gets you and who you can experience life together you know you it doesn't matter where you're coming from it's just that you find that sort of connection I don't know and I guess music's that same thing like it doesn't matter what you connect with as long as you connect to something you know, yeah. musically makes sense um so we talked about some of the challenges already but like what are the biggest challenges you face as music supervisors and you can like use examples from any project if you want I mean, the biggest thing that's the most literal and obvious is budget. Like, we're always limited by budget. Um, and then, honestly, for me, the other hardest thing, and then I'll, I'll be interested in what Kristen says she thinks her greatest challenges are. For me, it's budget. And then the other thing is just um, politics and, like, personalities and just, you know, navigating everyone. A lot of navigating. We call our lot of navigating. Middle child, the middle middle children, middle, if you will. Middle children. Yeah, we're make we're trying to make a lot of people happy, and and every I mean back to like I love music and I love that everyone has an opinion, but like the negative side is everyone has an opinion. You know, like music is the one thing where like think about it, like anyone who watches it is going to have an opinion about the song in there. They're not going to have an opinion about the costume or like the edit choice or like the lens choice or the <laughs> acting choice because like that's something that's like a little more of a craft that is obscure and, and you don't know exactly what goes into it but everyone listens to music and everyone has an opinion about music so when we're working on uh, any project everyone who watches it who's involved the producers the studio the editor the director the showrunner the writer the editor's assistant editor the the director's 10 year old son like everyone has an opinion about music and we have to hear about everyone's opinion and you know we try to make everyone happy but yeah you, there's you can't do it can't make everyone happy <laughs> um i'd say i mean agree with agree with Maggie um still learning how to navigate the political landscape I'm I'm new to music supervision I've I've been a coordinator for the past five years um so this is only my second film as a supervisor so the political landscape's still new and will come with its challenges um but I'd say from my point I think clearances when you have Sometimes they're really easy and straightforward and that's amazing. But what I said earlier, just when you can't find that last piece and you're like chipping away and chipping away and calling people and calling people, has anyone else cleared this before? Um, I'd say that, and it's a lot of paperwork and you just have to be really diligent and um, it's, you, you don't like any surprises. So it's just like, almost like, you know, we're basically paralegals sometimes. Um, but I think, that is my biggest challenge often. But for this one, I mean, we didn't have to do clearances. It was just kind of like making sure we were communicating all the necessary information. And we went through a lot of cuts, um, a lot of music changes um, as, you know, we got through the cuts. So 
it was just kind of like staying on top of everything and making sure everyone had the information that they needed. Um, because that's also part of the yeah. job where we're often watching a project. I sometimes 16, 17, 20 different times. And you see it in all forms of life um, before, you know, VFX is in um, before everything's finalized. So it's just making sure you're not missing anything um, because surprises do happen. So you have to, you know, you got to stay on top of it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned earlier about like finding the last 10%. So like, are there multiple people that you have to go through to get like one song? Oh yeah. Um, so sometimes you have only one licensor that you need to go to and they represent publishing, which is the lyrics, the composition and the recording. Um, sometimes you're going to six, 10 different parties um, to get publishing. Cause it's split up. So like if we all wrote a song together, um, you know, you own 50%. I own 25. Maggie owns 25. But we're all with different people. Excuse me. <clears throat> Still a little hoarse. Um, a music supervisor or coordinator would have to go to have to go find whoever represents or whoever con controls our publishing. So often with, you know, older tracks, that gets a little tricky because of estates. Um, sometimes it's a little bit more straightforward because, you know, you have major licensors. Um and we have databases, but those aren't always up to date um, that we can utilize to look for missing pieces. But it, it gets tricky when there's like 10 writers on a track and you're you're missing three, three percent. You're like, who has this three percent? And then it's like some guy on Instagram that you have to DM and no one represents him. So you're just like hoping he answers back. It's happened. True story. But um, yeah, that's it's <laughs> a challenging part, but it's also fun sometimes. Yeah. Kristen's become a good stalker. A good oh, yeah. Basically the CIA. Like I could work for the CIA. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, we would get along. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I do. They every uh Theora, who's the co-host, um always tells me that I would be great in the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> professional creeping it's fine yeah as long as you use your information for good yeah exactly yeah yeah so what if you can't find that three percent you like you just can't use the song? i mean we can't use them we can't use it but we have some you know sometimes people won't accept no for an answer so you have to find a way like you have to find a way it's like you have to find these people yeah so we have yeah no yeah because directors producers don't want us to be don't I mean, some people are more reasonable than others. I mean, it's Hollywood. You know, you don't work with a lot of reasonable people in Hollywood. <laughs> so when we tell them, if we tell them, like, we've tried everything, we can't find a certain rights holder, most people are just like, we, you, we, they don't accept no for an answer. And look, we don't get paid for our time. We get paid a flat fee. <laughs> No. <laughs> so like <laughs> they don't care if a song takes us six months to find we yeah. do because it breaks down to like a dollar an hour but whatever i mean it's the path we chose so. <laughs> oh that sounds so difficult <laughs> yeah it is this job is not for the faint of heart that's for sure like it's a it's a job that most a lot of people think they want to do but then when they find out what it really entails it's like oh maybe it's not the dream job that I thought it was you know so I feel like that's a lot yeah. of the entertainment industry <laughs> I 
think so. I think so. I think this one is again because everyone has an opinion about music. A lot of people have this like, oh, would you just pick out cool songs? And but they have no clue yeah. all the other parts of it that aren't cool. There's even a joke about it. Have y'all seen May December? Yeah. Yeah. I, oh yet. my god, I died hearing that joke. Yeah. <laughs> There's like one of the characters is like I heard there's this really cool job called music supervisor that like you get to pick out songs for movies. Like, I think I could do that. I was like, <laughs> it's so funny. It was a joke in the film. Um, but yeah, I mean, the actress, there, I mean, that is a cool part of the job, but it's like 10% of the job. So. And then you could pick stuff, but then it's just going to get vetoed by other people. Right. Yeah. It's going to get vetoed. Yeah. yeah. And even if you get to pick out all the cool songs, which we have a handful that we get to do all the selection, we still have to clear them also. And we we like weird shit too. So, so we're not we're not picking the easiest to clear stuff either. Like we don't because we're, we're always trying to make it the best. To, you know, you don't want to you don't want to put in the easiest stuff out there. So you both have worked on many different projects. Uh, what has been your favorite to work on? You mean besides Red Wine Royal Blue? I mean, you could include it as well, but yeah, other than that as well. Uh, I mean, my favorite, uh, my favorites are really uh, I, The Great. I love, I love, love, love working on The Great. Um, that oh, has been canceled. Yeah, um, and Our Flag Means Death. I would say for me, those are my two favorite projects of recent years. And and oh, our flag for me, means death. yeah, oh, that's yeah. so rough right now. <laughs> I know. I mean, we just found out it was canceled. I mean, I'm still just devastated. For me, the projects I like are projects that create creatively. We get a lot of input, like someone who really appreciates our opinion and is very collaborative with us creatively and respects our opinion and like, you know, really wants to have our 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 print prints on you know creative like on the song choices. So a song like that, but then moreover, kind good people who run a very respectful team of people um, who care about what they're doing and, and are just just good people. So, so those are the two things for me that make a project special. And, and the great and our five main stuff are the two that come to mind most recently. I, I, I love working with Sam Esmel too. I, I would have to say him for Leave the World Behind and Mr. Robot Homecoming. Like he really pushes me. And I love working with him. What would you say, Kristen? What have been your... <laughs> Um, I loved working on the great. That was just the team, the collaboration, the, the music we got to listen for, um, the project itself. I'm a fan of, um, I really enjoyed working on an FX show called Kindred. It got canceled after one season. Um, but just creatively, that was really fun to listen for. And unlike a lot of the music like consistently unlike a lot of the music we've had to listen for so that that project i felt really close to and then we did a movie lot two years ago but it came out last year um with dave franco dave franco wrote it with um his partner allison brie and that was really fun to listen for and work on just because that somebody i used to know based and yeah somebody i used to know on amazon prime um but that was really fun to listen for and you know it was kind of millennial music which is fun and um old 
We had and Dave was great to there. work with. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, yeah, we loved working with him. But those are my favorite in the past few years that come to mind immediately. Um, but Gosh, like, no one watches. I mean, yeah, we don't Bosch. talk about Bosch, Bosch a lot because, yeah, it's not musically. We don't get asked about it a lot because the music is very minimal. But we love working on that show. It's a really well-written show. Um, yeah. Is it easier or harder uh, choosing music and doing everything for like a show that has more than one season? So like, do you establish it in season one and it becomes easier from there? Or is it just like basically starting a new project each season? Season. I think, it, you know, for the most part, most, if we start from a season one, then it's pretty consistent across every season. But if we join during a season two or a later season, um, usually a showrunner or a director will have, or I guess a showrunner in this case, because it's TV, um, will have something different in mind. And we're kind of starting from scratch. And um, it really just depends. It's totally project dependent. It depends. Yeah. Well, like, because Snowfall, we did six seasons of that. And the, the, the music was so clear our task but that show was challenging from beginning to end there was never and that was challenging because clearances were challenging the budget was really low the expectations we we said it was our fault we like started off like doing something really cool and then we had to maintain it for many years but then yeah there are some shows that like just because there's no like you've set a pattern and then it's just following in the footsteps that you've you've set up it, it really depends it, it really depends on the project because because like that's it every project's run by different humans and humans are no, there's no consistency so it really depends on the project another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Awesome. Uh, okay, so now I just have a few questions from our Patreon. We uh, asked them if they had anything they would like to ask. So why... Our first question is, why did you decide to use I Can't Help Falling in Love instead of Elton John's My Song, like in the book? Yeah. Not the first time we've been asked that. Yeah. Um, that wasn't our, that was a, a, the director's decision. And he, I think, I mean, he's a huge Elton John fan because we were trying to find an, another spot for Elton John. I don't remember what, do you remember, Kristen, why? No, we, we, there was discussion about using um, Elton John somewhere, but like I mentioned earlier, we sent, we sent Can't Help Falling in Love as a placeholder. Like that was never meant to stick. It was just meant to, you know, kind of set the scene for the shoot. And then it but he up- was, it, it's ended up sticking, but he was certain it wasn't going to be Elton John, my song from the beginning. I don't remember why. I don't remember why either, but he definitely, maybe he wanted a younger, it, there, he wanted a cover there. He always wanted a cover or an original there. 
So that's why we sent the cover, the perfume, like we came up with some examples of good covers, like good current covers. And, and then we fell in love with Perfume Genius's voice for that spot. And we were talking to Perfume Genius about doing a new cover for, for the movie, covering a Madonna song. Um, and we were gonna do that, but then they shot to, I can't help falling in love. And then they started cutting to it and everyone loved it. And lyrically, I think it worked better than anyone thought once everyone started watching it. So it, it really like, then we had to talk to Perfume Geniuses. Um, I think Matthew talked directly to him and we talked to his people and explained like, we can't beat the song that's already in there. You know, like that's the one we want. So, and I don't like, there's a thing called temp love, which is a term we use a lot. Like when someone falls in love with the temp, you know, and I, and I, I mean, that factored in here, but I, I think in this instance, it was the right, mm-hmm. like temp love is kind of seen as like a negative, like, you know, people can't break out of what was in there. But in this instance, I think it really was the right choice for that moment. Um, but yeah, my song was never considered, never. Like that was just, and that was it from Matthew, the director. Good to know. It definitely yeah. worked. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish, I mean, so that would be a question for Matthew about why he didn't want it. I, I don't remember why, or I don't know if he ever gave us a reason, but it's not because he isn't a huge Elton John fan. I mean, as are we. So I mm-hmm. just, cause we did try Elton John in other places. So. Now, I think we actually did talk about this, so but I'll ask it anyway. Were there any songs you really wanted but couldn't get or any that you wish you didn't use? I know that part's new. Um, no comment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, were, there are a few that we aren't, aren't our favorites. But, but that's um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's not for just us and our, you know, it's for trying to appeal to a wide audience. Um, but I don't think there's any that we really wanted that didn't get in. Yeah. I mean, I was super excited to do a cover of a Madonna song. I will say that. Like, I'm an 80s girl. I was so excited. Like, we got a, we, she cleared it. I was very excited to do a Madonna song. So, um, but, but I love what we put in there. So, that's great. Uh, all right. Last one. Why did you decide to go with Vagabond? Mary thought it was the perfect choice. Oh, thanks, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we had a big list of artists we wanted for covers, and um, she, she was at the top. Um, and Matthew really responded to. Yeah, luckily Matthew responded, and yeah, it, it just it all worked out. Because you know, um, she wanted she wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, it was all. I wasn't. She familiar. was definitely like top three for. Yeah. Us. Um, she, I wasn't familiar with that Rogers and Hammerstein song and it's, it's a whole new song to me and I hope it's a whole new song to younger generations or anyone who's probably not familiar with it. Cause it, it just like cuts in that moment. Like you feel the heartbreak. Um, she created magic. Um, and that was Matthew's idea and Matthew who his background, I don't know if you're familiar with his resume, but his background's in Broadway and, and, and in theater. So it was his idea. I did know the song, not well, but like, you know, I'd heard it before. Um, it's from Oklahoma, right? I don't know. Or Carousel? Carousel. It's from Carousel. It's Carousel. Yeah. Um, 
And what Matthew wanted, which I thought was so beautiful, he's like, he wanted a song that would bridge over multiple generations. So a song that like, if if someone's great, if, if someone in their teens or 20s was watching it with their grandparents, their grandparents might be like, I, I recognize the song, like these lyrics are familiar. And um, but it clearly someone, you know, 30 or younger would have no clue what the song is. So like, you know, it's a totally new song for them. But it's, it's something that could maybe create a conversation between generations. Like, a, a, you know, grandparent could be like, well, let me tell you why I know the song. And, you know, like, so it's just like a talking piece and like something that's um, something Matthew really wanted to do other than like make a sweeping, wonderful, big Hollywood romantic comedy. I mean, you know, romantic story, not romantic comedy. He wanted something that would be appealed to every to, to multiple generations and and. Um, you know, something that like someone in their 40s like me could watch, someone in their 70s could watch, like my parents could watch, and then someone as kids could watch and love too. And I think he really achieved that. So That's, that's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a sweet dude. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have for today. Do either of you have any final words for the listeners before we wrap up? Um, what was your favorite song on the soundtrack? i have to say like the the can't help falling in love it was just perfect perfect for the moment (laughs) yeah it is that's why that's why something like that sticks when i say it's not it wasn't temp love like there was movie movie magic was made there um no i just say thanks for your interest thanks for reaching out and wanting to talk to us about this and we appreciate all the fans and everyone loving it and watching it makes us they definitely love it they want as much as possible so we're trying to give it to them (laughs) awesome thanks for having us caitlin yeah thank thank you again for taking the time to talk with me today uh i really appreciate it and we all loved getting to know you because i'm going to speak for everybody watching already and to everyone at home listening make sure to check out red white and royal blue streaming on amazon prime And until next time, hydrate for lesbian Jesus and gay it up all over the place. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes right here on YouTube. Please like, leave a comment below, and subscribe for more amazing super gay content. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod. Or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.